Well, thank you, Jake, for those meaningful words and for writing such a meaningful, powerful song. Uh, it really is the heart of mission gathering and mission gatherings across the country, and we believe it's the very heart of God. Um, so last Saturday night, we had our dinner party, and thank you, Ashley, for hosting that. Um, and someone at the dinner party came up to me towards the end and, and said, um, uh, that their child is uh, non-binary and, and she, trans and she said I have had the hardest time finding a church that loves Jesus and also trans people who identify as trans um, so she said, she said thank you so that song that you wrote I mean it's so true. It's who we are. It's who God is. That's why we exist as a church. So thank you for writing that. Um, it kind of be our church theme song from now on. We just do it every single week. Um, I want to share a story of Jesus that's found in Mark 6. And it's a really, really weird story. Um, I grew up with this picture of Jesus that he's almost like superhero Jesus, where Jesus can do anything. Um, because Jesus is God. Jesus is all-powerful. Um, Mark, the gospel of Mark has a reputation for showing the very human side of Jesus. And some Christians throughout history have tr had trouble with Mark because they want the superhero Jesus, not the human Jesus. So this is a very human story. So Jesus um, is trying to do miracles, and he can't do it. Um, so the story in Mark 6 is called Jesus Lost His Mojo. Um, so Jesus and his disciples are going to go to his hometown called Nazareth. And it was the Sabbath, Saturday, and he was teaching in the synagogue. And the people who were listening in the synagogue who lived in Nazareth were amazed at Jesus, at his eloquence, at his passion, at his wisdom, that they had never heard another speaker in the synagogue speak with such power and wisdom. Um, I imagine most of their experiences with teachers at the synagogue were like most of my experiences with Southern Baptist preachers, where Sunday sermon is a time to take a nap. There's just not a lot of passion there. You just kind of zone out. But Jesus was different, and they were blown away by what he was saying. And they said, where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom that's been given to him? What are all these miracles that we're hearing about him performing? Isn't this guy the carpenter that grew up in this town? Didn't we watch this kid grow up in this town? Aren't his sisters still living here and his siblings with us? Who is this guy? And Jesus, it says they took offense at him. Um, almost like a, who does he think this guy, this guy is a kid who is a carpenter. Who does he think he is saying these things and talking this way? And Jesus said, a prophet has no honor in his hometown. And so the text says that he could not do any miracles there. He tried. It says that he healed a few people by laying his hands on them. But that's all he could do. And they left. What happened to superhero Jesus in the story? And Jesus says at the end before he leaves, he was amazed at their lack of faith. So in this context, I wonder if faith is the ability to see 
the power and presence of God in the ordinary, everyday people and places. They saw Jesus. They saw this boy who was a carpenter, who was poor, who was just like them. They didn't see a divine wisdom. They weren't able to see the sacred within the ordinary. And because of that, because they were so closed off, they had no faith. And Jesus couldn't perform miracles. So what if the story speaks to this, um, and this is a type of theology called process theology um, within Christianity. And it says that God is not necessarily this all-powerful superhero God. That God, in some ways, is so interconnected with all things in our reality, all people, that God almost requires us to be open to God for God to work. Um, Like that verse Paul says in a letter that he wrote, that we are co-workers with God. That we are participants with God. That we're a team, and God, in some ways, needs us. That we need to be open to what God is doing through all people, the most ordinary, unassuming people and places and things. So the question about faith is not necessarily about a belief about God, but an openness to the presence of God everywhere. So do I have this, you can almost sense in some people, they just feel closed off. They feel shut down. You just can't connect. You can't get in. They just put up a wall. In some ways, I believe that's very connected to this idea of lacking faith. That faith is an openness to reality, to the world, to what God is doing, an openness to beauty, to the sacred, an openness to see um, all sides of things, to see the creative possibilities, to see different perspectives than just one. All of that is wrapped up in this idea of faith. And I tend to be pretty closed off. Um, Ironic, because I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to have strong faith, right? Sometimes I'm just tired of life, tired of people, and I just want to shut down. Ironically, it is in those moments where I need to just relax. I need to let my body release and open myself up to see beauty, to see goodness, to see life. And it's in those moments where we open up where God's like, all right, I'm going to let myself live through him right now. He's open to it. And then out of that, that's where beauty and wholeness and healing and justice comes when we're open. So maybe if we have that closed off feeling, the first step, kind of what Jake was talking about earlier in our opening meditation of just notice it, be aware of it, and have a little compassion on myself in that moment to open myself up to what God's doing. So the past couple months has been the most fun we've had, I've had doing church in my entire 34 years of life. Um, we did church on the rooftop, the dinner party. Um, we did church at Confluence Park where we put together care kits for um, people who were houseless. Um, we did church on the mountaintop on Cougar Mountain. Um, and next Saturday night, we're doing church at the pub. Pub Theology, Saturday at 3 p.m. at Formula Brewing is our next church gathering. So we're going to get a beer and some pizza and talk about the questions that you were never allowed to ask in church. Um, and that will be our church. 
And I love church this way because it speaks to the truth that God is in all things. The verse in Ephesians, God is all and in all and through all. And so we're trying to practice that reality. So there's a song came out, I think it was a few years ago, a country song. I hate country music, I'm sorry. I like some of the older stuff, but I just, do, I do not, I think I have bad taste in my mouth because of all of the, um, the songs about sexy tractors, tractors, <laughs> there are just some really weird country songs out there, but Maren Morris, um, there are also some really good ones, she, she said, she wrote a song a few years ago that said, um, I've cussed on a Sunday, I've cheated and I've lied, I've fallen down from grace a few too many times, but I find holy redemption when I put this car in drive. Roll the windows down and turn up the dial. Yeah, I guess that's my church. She said that country music is in many ways her religion. And she was talking about going back to Johnny Cash and Hank Williams. And she found deep meaning in life through those songs and through music. So what if church is not a Sunday morning, just a Sunday morning experience with worship where you'd sing three songs and listen to a sermon from a pastor. What if church is any moment in life where you experience something greater than yourself, where you open yourself up to beauty, to life, to love, and when you share that with others? And the sharing part is crucial. I think that's what makes church church because we need each other. Um, so we're going to take a few moments today to share, uh, to share about times in your life or times in most recently um, that you have felt a connection to something larger than yourself. Where have you found, seen beauty and life and love, joy, justice? Where have you had a moment where you just felt, oh, this is what it's about? Maybe it's listening to country music loud in the car. What I love about this view of church is it um, brings, kind of turns upside down the power structure of church. Traditional church has, you have the pastor, the reverend. The reverend stands for the, the revered one. <laughs> the reverend is the one in charge, the one who has all the divine spiritual wisdom and authority. What Jesus did when he challenged religious leaders and he empowered the marginalized, he empowered um, women and children and those whom society um, saw as having no power, he empowered them and he turned those power structures upside down. Because the reality is, I need you all and I need your divine wisdom just as much, if not more, as you need mine. That your experiences of your life have within them divine wisdom and I need to learn from your experiences and I need to learn from your perspectives that's how church should be that's why we do church at a dinner party at a bar outside in nature so for these next few minutes um, if you need to take a few minutes and just think about it um, if you're open to it we'd love for you to talk in the mic just so we can have other people listen in who are not here today um, but that can be super weird too so if you want to just talk where you're seated that's fine so we're just going to take a few minutes and share 
So you all are going to be the speakers with the divine wisdom. You all are the reverend in this moment, the revered ones with the wisdom. So let's share. Jake, would you like to start? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I was just thinking about this um, idea of like, where, where is it in the unorthodox and the in the places we might not expect, and the places that maybe even we're avoiding or we're specifically not looking to see the divine. Um, and so I've actually been, for me, looking at um, what are some of the areas that I struggle to see God that I normally would would think, oh, God can't be here. Uh, for me, I have a uh, difficult time with waiting, and I mean that both in the long-term sense and the short-term sense. So in the long-term, I think a lot of us struggle with patience and where am I going in life, where am I at, um, you know, am I where I'm supposed to be. But then in the short-term, I just am really bad with lines. So I'm bad with traffic, with long grocery lines. I'm like, well, I can do this at self-checkout. I know there's 158 items in my cart, but I can self-checkout if I need to um, because I, at least I can get out of the line, you know. Um, and I've been doing some traveling, and I realized that I'm just not the, the uh, my partner, Olivia, the other day, she was like, I'm better at waiting than you, aren't I? I was like, uh, in a way, and I was like, yes, you're right, you're right. Um, but yeah, the airport, security is terrible. I'm like, I'm like, there's no God here in security. God, if God is present in all the earth except here in the security line. But it's interesting because I notice it within myself. I shut down. I feel very much less receptive to life, to people around me. I don't notice people in these moments. I'm, my guard uh, physically, emotionally goes up. So I've really been asking myself, how can I see God here? How, how can this be a, a sacred moment for me? And I think when Devin was talking about um, just that openness and that awareness, it also made me think about, you know, really just noticing those places where, um, where what are the barriers to that? And uh, so, yeah, in a way, I know this sounds really strange. It's an odd note to start on, but I feel like, in a way, my church, um, because, you know, we, we come to church not just to have... Um, everything we know told back to us, right? But we come to church to be challenged, to be grown, to, to see more than we did when we came in, right? And so again, I feel like for me, my church in some ways has been those difficult moments of waiting, the lines, the traffic, because it's in those moments that I go, well, of course God's here. So it's me. It's my closed uh, disposition and my posture. I'm the thing getting in my own way of experiencing God. So how can I use this as a moment, even if it's just 1%, if I can bring myself to open up, if I can bring myself to see the human beings around me who are all living, who are all, you know, if you're in the airport, they're all going somewhere. Um, can I bring myself to realize that this moment isn't a buildup to another more valuable moment? This moment is, this is life. I'm here. I'm in it. It's not like, oh, you know, I, I, I thought of this um, analogy of like, even just when you're at the airport, you're kind of like, if I can only just get through security so I can just sit in the terminal, and then, and then you get to the terminal and you're like, oh, if only I could be done waiting in the terminal so I can get to my, get on my plane. And then you get on the plane and you're like, if only I could, you know, like, can't wait to be done with this plane ride. And so we're all just, what are we, what are we rushing towards, you know? So that's been, that's been a little bit of my church is that, that question of wherever I go, you know, there's, a, there's that quote of like, wherever you are, there you'll be. Wherever you go, there you are. You know, and so if I, 
sometimes the challenging moments can put me into that place. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's a little bit for me. Um, I'm excited to hear what the rest of you have to share. So I'll leave this up here. Um, I, I have a, I kind of resonated with that like feeling of being, I think Devin, did you say life, life is bigger than you or just stepping out of yourself? But I recently had one of those um, experiences with a patient of mine. I, I see patients in their homes for home health. And um, I, saw, I saw a patient this last week, and she is one I'd seen a year ago. And, you know, I see a lot of people who are quite old, like 80s and 90s. This woman is in her early 70s, I think. So she's not, she's not that old. She's in, um, she's had a tough life, you know. I know a lot of her life story, having worked with her. Um, and prior to her residence where she is now in that adult family home, she had been in a nursing home for several years, and she, with all these health problems, had been totally dependent, like, with everything. Um, and really, you know, just having a very tough existence. Um, so about a year ago, we worked with her, and she was able to get, like, gain some independence. And so that was a huge thing for her to, to have her room in the adult family home. Toilet and just, you know, kind of those dignities of life, she regained that, and that was really exciting. But um, went back in to see her a year later because something new came up. Um, and I, she, she, I was just, when I, when I get these referrals that come back to you, you're like, oh my gosh, I hope, I wonder how she's been. Like, did, did that independence last like a couple weeks or, but you know, you don't know um, what happens when you leave. So I went back to kind of reassess her. She was still doing really well. Like she had kept that independence all year. She kind of reunited with some family members who were, family was really down on her, like, that she was just a chronic pain person and always complaining, and she reestablished some of that, those relationships, so that was really cool. Um, just really encouraging to see. Anyway, the larger-than-life moment, besides really enjoying seeing her and, and talking to her, was that um, she's, she had some knitting there. I'm like, oh, what are you knitting? She's like, oh, I'm, me and my sister, we, we make scarves for homeless people. So here's this woman who's just had such a tough time, and she and her sister are making in their spare time. That's like a really meaningful thing for them to do. It just really struck me. Um, that was really special. And then I shared with her, oh, you know, my daughter is really involved with homeless community in Bellingham. And she was like, that is great. That is wonderful. And she kept going on about that. And we kind of connected on that. And I just felt like, I felt like that was a really holy moment, seeing where she was at, and then just connecting with her on several different levels.
Um, is that okay? Um, I was thinking about how I find God in reflection. Like I don't know, I don't necessarily notice when I'm in it, especially if I'm, you know, experiencing any kind of pain or sorrow or um, just difficult circumstances. You know, you're plowing through, um, you know, and I found that a few times in my life when I've felt my lowest or just like, you know, I've like kind of completely surrendered and just said, you know, like, I can't take this. Some, something's got to give. Um, that in when I reflect back, I see like such a hand of God in like the, that led to like decisions to make things better for me or my family. Um, so it, it's there all the time. I just don't necessarily notice it. And most recently, so my dad passed away in April and he had spent a year being sick and just wasn't able to advocate for himself to get the help he needed. And I just didn't know what to do. You know, there was COVID. I couldn't go to him. If I did, I didn't know what we would do. There were all these complications um, with his just, you know, too, too much. It was just all really, really too much. And so I surrendered and I just, I don't know what, I don't know the way out. I have no resources. I just, I don't know. And I feel like he died by the grace of God. Like the answer was that he was removed from all that pain and suffering, which was also my pain and suffering. And so now I, you know, in the months since, I, I'm an only daughter. And so I'm just going through things and things. And I went through three boxes of things yesterday. And sometimes it's super painful. And then I was telling Devin even, like, I, I am going through his, you know, you, you, boxes and boxes of pictures. Before they were trapped on your phone, your phone, they were in boxes. And I went through, like, a lifetime of pictures. And I was made whole by the fact that he had a whole life. So when I was no longer, you know, the daughter in the house, and I went and had my own life. He had his own life, which is obvious, but not something I'd reflected on. And I was able to reflect and say, he did have these glorious chapters, and he'd done so much to think about. And I think the reflection for me made me whole in that I know he had a satisfying life in so many ways when I didn't know that. I thought it was a sadder story. So finding God in the reflection and in just witnessing all the little things um, that he experienced bolstered. I feel like I was given those moments. I was given the opportunity to look through all his pictures to find his childhood scrapbook and toys my grandma saved and 
um, all the, he was an architect and builder. And, I mean, there's plans for houses and thousands of pictures of houses he built. He built, he could build anything. And so it was neat that just, just to find that. And I felt like it was handed to me. So God was there.